Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes that they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandi Van Ormer. And I'm your co-host, Patty Marbury. And we're coming to you to talk about embracing the power of stillness, which is funny because Patty and I were just talking about how on either of our end here uh, where we're recording, it's not been very still. <laughs> Patty's got a barking dog that won't let up. I've, we've had the rain droning on and on, which is actually kind of nice. And it's, yeah, own. that that is nice, nice noise. But that actually translates well into the difference between quietness and stillness, which is mm-hmm. what we're talking about today. We're inspired today and going over the concepts today from a book called Stillness by Ryan Holiday. We're going to go over the basic concepts from this book. So not a a podcast today with interviews, really, just a short one about some really interesting concepts from this book that we thought would be useful to you, the listening audience, because you two are listening to lots of distracting noises in a busy, noisy, distracting world. And you're trying to um, be inspired. You're trying to be creative. You're trying to just get things done. So we thought some of the concepts from this book would be helpful for you to foster creativity and clarity as well, and maybe help you to be um, less cranky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are you talking to me Brandy? <laughs> i didn't say help patty to be less cranky <laughs> and to be clear it's not my dog barking it's it is not dog barking. it's the neighbors but yeah like i did i did um get a lot out of reading this um it's it's uh i liked the way that ryan holiday used um examples like from history and examples of different people to illustrate his um, the concepts of stillness. And so I thought that was that was pretty cool. Because, yeah, it's a these are concepts that history's greatest thinkers and leaders have recognized. And he pulls from that all throughout the book that stillness is a secret weapon. Um, The Buddhists, the Muslims, the Stoics, um, they've all had. Uh, same the same kind of concept of inner peace of a, mm-hmm. a stillness that you can tap into that can create the space for you to appreciate and enjoy the pleasures of life. Then he went like right into um, one of the um, examples, which was John F. Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so I thought that was really good way of like kind of going from one thing into the other. And that was in that example, it was that his advisors were telling Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, when we were about to be struck by nuclear missiles from (laughs) it that were in Cuba, that the Russians were building in Cuba. um, And his advisors were saying, we have to meet aggression with aggression, and we need to go, you know, fight back. And Kennedy, like, thankfully, listened to his like inner, inner self and um, 
didn't react. And I thought one of the things that I got a lot out of that piece because, um, because I often react to things like something like that, like the dog, for example. Um, but I often react and then act um, and, and on my emotional reaction. And um, that never turns out well. <laughs> well, and so Holiday breaks up the the book into kinds of stillness. Yes, and right. This is, this is stillness and crisis that Patty's talking about. Yes, right. Yes. It, it is a great example because, um, I don't know, I was thinking, what would I have done if, I mean, even, number one, I can't imagine the constant pressure of being president. Right. But number two, um, I, I'm like you, Patty, like, I think I've gotten better as I've gotten older and more experienced at pausing and not making immediate snap decisions, but still missiles are kind of a big deal. And that um, he took some time to, you know, stay reflective and sought some peace in the Rose Garden mm -hmm. and swimming in the White House pool and to mm -hmm. take some time and really think through the response right. to this. Because it, yeah. did, it wasn't like he had to immediately decide what to do. He had a little bit of time here um, uh, to resist that gut reaction that we're talking about and think through his reaction. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but all of his advisors were yeah, like, they were pressuring him, him. Yeah. And to act immediately. Yeah. And, but so yeah. eventually, you know, he had uh, did the blockade option and we know that we didn't end up in world war three. Right. But I think that's an amazing illustration for us to, to come to first for the book that. Well, also just, just, Sorry, Brandy. I'm sorry. This that stillness in crisis is a really productive. Version. Yeah, I, I think I got probably the most out of that one. He also talks about uh, the power of presence. Uh huh. So, performance artist that did a session at the the New York Museum of Modern Art, where mm -hmm. she for like 750 hours across 79 days. She sat there and people could come and stare at, like, look her right in the eyes. And she would, <laughs> was, Patty's cracking up. And you, she would, like, just be, the thing was called the artist is present. And she would focus on them. <laughs> Sorry. And couldn't stare at them. Yeah. And they, I, that's such a weird thing, number one. But number two, like, if you really think about somebody really, like, paying attention to you that mm -hmm. way because she wasn't just staring into space mm -hmm. or like staring over your shoulder or whatever. She yeah. was like making eye contact, making eye contact, yeah. deeply looking at you. Um, in the book, he talks about how um, some visitors uh, were really overcome emotionally yeah. by this. Yeah. And I'd love to read more about that because I was like, Really? And when, how much you got paid for that? And then I thought, and then I also thought, will that work for me? Can I go to work and just sit there and have people come sit in my office and stare at me? But in a way, I, I guess I thought it's kind of like maybe when you, I don't know, when you either go to a therapist or you have a friend who's really present for you, like that is kind of mm -hmm. touching. Yeah. Well, and I think that 
the thing that Ryan Holiday was trying to illustrate with this was like being present in the moment. And because then he went on to talk about um, like, and I, and I got a lot out of this chapter too. I got a lot out of all of the chapters for different reasons, but um, he talked about how like what we tend to do is um, we try to, we try to not have silence, but instead like avoid silence by having like other noise. And so for example, the one, one example that I thought of for myself is that I like, if I go to the gym or I go for a run or, or, or I'm just sitting with nothing to do, I am listening to my book or listening to a podcast or listening to music or whatever. I'm never doing it silently. In fact, I can't stand to do it silently. If you're Um, commuting, if you're on the plane, if you're right. Yeah. If you've got anywhere to sit and wait. Yeah. Time when you would have just sat and waited. Yeah. I mean, like if I go to the gym and I forget my ear pods, I go home. (laughs) 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 So, so, um, well, but the option is not silence, then it's whatever else somebody else is listening to. <laughs> that is true. Well, that is true. Um, but but I um I thought that was really interesting because the, another example that he gave was like instead of people enjoying a beautiful sunset, they take a picture of it. Um, they're never just like in the moment. This gets even harder the further along life and technology goes. We're mm-hmm zooming and reading other things mm-hmm. you're meeting and doing other work yeah it's very hard to focus singly on a task or a thought but we've talked about this before in pods monotasking or allowing your brain to focus on one thing and really be present is mm-hmm. important if you want to have a full creative top of the line performance and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I thought that was good. Like stilling. He talked about stilling your mind. Yes. So then he talks about reflecting. Mm-hmm. And I liked this one too, mm-hmm. because, because what he's saying here in this chapter is very true that when you reflect on your day and what you did and why you did it and what you thought and why you thought it Mm -hmm. is helpful and um, makes you into a a better person. He talks a lot about Anne Frank. Yeah. You think of you because you have a picture of Anne Frank in your office. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I forgot what the quote is on the back of that, which is why I have the picture of Anne Frank in my office because I really liked the quote. I'll have to look look at that again. But, but, but um, in this book, she said, or in this, in the quote from her, and this is really good. She said, I love it. Yeah. How noble everyone would be if at the end of the day, they reviewed their behavior. Surely we would all try to do better the following day. I loved that. Another thing I don't do. Review <laughs> <laughs> my behavior. Every We're day. just talking about the book. We're not trying to teach people from our experience. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I the reason I said that is because I got a lot out of this. <laughs> I got a lot of things that I that thought that I should doing. But yeah, it talked about journaling, improving your well being, and I really loved that quote from Anne Frank. 
it it helps you cut through like the mental noise and your um your mental confusion mm-hmm. at, when you think about why why you care about certain things why you <laughs> get upset about certain things yep um facing up to questions about your character i mean it makes it sound really difficult <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it is difficult in the sense that you like have to look at yourself like and reflect honestly you know i think that's the difficult part of it it the act the act of doing it i don't think is difficult but emotionally i can see where it would be so tonight i'm going to journal about why i got mad about the barking dog <laughs> it's important to start because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter so much how and when you start and how much you do it, it doesn't matter as much like get started and try to keep going because um, creating a quiet moment to get things off your chest and to find that stillness through writing and reflection is um, it's important to get started and try to make that a practice because you'll see positive benefits. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about cultivating silence. Yes. And this is really the first time in our whole discussion about stillness that we've talked about actual silence. Yeah. And this is where he talked about how people try to avoid silence. Um, This uh, musical composer, John Cage, decided that he was he was really into the idea of silence. mm -hmm. And um, he was so into the idea. This is in like the 1920s. He even argued that the U.S. should establish a national day of quiet. And he really was into this idea of silence and exploring quiet. And um, yes, so he uh, had a famous composition called 433. And it's a four minute, 33 long stretch of uninterrupted silence. So during the so when pianist pianists <laughs> i bet you could play this piece Patty. i bet i could <laughs> when, i'm gonna go do it right after this podcast. <laughs> so when pianists would perform the piece audi- what audiences would hear would be things like the wind outside the hall the rain on the roof the ambient sounds and i his point was then that there wasn't actually silence that mm-hmm. silence doesn't really exist because there's all kinds of sound. And he was inviting them with the piece to actually start hearing. So yeah, I, I liked that part. Yes. Like it, I thought that made a lot of it. When he, when he said that, then it made a lot more sense. Yes. Then he, he moves it into more out of the arty kind of world and talks about the more practical experience of this about people who, work in really high powered environments like wall street and in leading business how to recharge a lot of those folks choose to go in to environments that have more quiet mm-hmm. like it like uh vacations that we think of as like escape not yeah. you know going out and running with the bulls in spain <laughs> but they go to um you know, they go swimming or scuba diving or long mm-hmm. distance cycling or um, things that have a, a reduction of the noise so that dialing down the noise helps recharge them and gives them a deeper awareness of what's around us. Mm-hmm. 
So now let's move on to stillness of the soul. Mm-hmm. Which sounds particularly hard to attain. Mm-hmm. Um, but he starts this chapter off talking about Tiger Woods. Yeah. <laughs> Who didn't have stillness of the soul. No, but it's it's interesting to me because I he starts talking about Tiger Woods and I was like, okay, stillness of the soul and Tiger Woods. But the the example is, is that um, he's talking, and I'm not sporty, but he's talking about how, how in 2008, Tiger Woods has this fantastic season. Is that right? You have a season when you do golf, right? Yeah. Well, um, he does yeah. real good in golf. Golf is sort of an all-year thing, but yeah, he, he won the championship. On, he does really great. And on a broken leg. <laughs> on a broken leg. Yeah. And, you know, golf is really quiet. You really have to focus. And there he's talking about what an amazing sense of like quiet and focus you must have as a golfer. Mm-hmm. And um, then that was the year that we all learned that Tiger had a lot of personal uh, problems, personal problems. So what we found, what we found out was not only that he had a troubled personal life, but that he had had a very troubled upbringing and his really troubled upbringing and his parents raising him to be relentless in his pursuit of his sporting goals had been kind of abusive mm-hmm. and had led him into being so relentless that he'd become neglectful of his own family relationships. And so the the neglect of that stillness of soul and, you know, having a healthy personal life, a healthy soul mm-hmm. in pursuit of achievement was not worth it. Because happiness and contentedness, mm-hmm. all of that comes from achieving that stillness of soul. Yeah. Achieve lots of things and look successful to everyone else. But it doesn't, it's not going to uh, be fully satisfactory. Yeah. Yeah. And and just the the underlying currents often of what's going on. We may seem to be completely calm on the surface. Um, And if you're an athlete like Tiger Woods, you sort of have to be that way. You have to portray that, especially golf being like such a mental game. Um, But but underneath, you know, what's going on is, is it may be anything but still. And so kind of getting that, peace under I hate to use the term under control but but just kind of soothing that part of your life well and I I guess it taps in more to some of the things that we've mentioned earlier talking about journaling Mm -hmm. if you want to achieve more peace with yourself that those kinds of things they all feed together it feels like yeah this part of the book was a little harder for me to grasp. Um, just the others were like, yeah, 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 I get that. I get that. And maybe because it's so sort of not tangible. Yeah. Like, we Well, we go from really practical stuff like 
um, in being present in the moment, mm-hmm. and, um, enjoying, you know, some, uh, some stillness, mm-hmm. of, you know, the environment to, you know, being satisfied in your soul. And I'm like, that's kind of, <laughs> so I know. yeah. But let's it's kind of let's uh, move on to the next one knowing when yeah. you have enough and we, we yeah. started out this one with talking about john f kennedy again and more more troubled <laughs> um because uh again we're talking about some troubled marriages and some of john f kennedy's yeah. dalliances but the idea here was talking about falling prey to desire and not knowing <laughs> if you have had enough so we won't talk about John F. Kennedy's particular desires, but many of us do fall prey to desires for more. Like yeah. maybe it's more money, money. or yeah. power, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So, but it, whatever it is you desire, it's harder to achieve contentedness because yeah. superficial desires, as opposed to those that lead to more noble pursuits, usually come at a cost. Yeah. Well. You know, I think the most important thing he said here was like um, the knowing when you you have enough, like so being content with what you've achieved or being content with how much money you have or the things that you have um, rather than always comparing yourself to other people. I mean, that that can cause a lot of stress. Yeah. Constantly say, well, this person makes more money than me, or this person has done more than me, um, achieved more than me, has more than me. Um, and so writing that part or saying, you know, I actually have everything I need, um, is, is powerful. Yes. Cause once you've learned to control your desires, he says, it may be easier to take an important step toward finding stillness and accepting that you have enough mm-hmm. because the acceptance of enough brings stillness in the form of release from want and comparison to others. Mm-hmm. Then he goes back to a very practical one. Yeah. I'm grateful to get to because the, the, the troubled soul ones, <laughs> they're a little deep for a few minutes. Yeah. But that he gets to the forest bathing. We're going to go to yeah. basking in the beauty. Yeah. Finding beauty around you. Yeah. So there is a concept in Japan called Shidrin Yoku or forest bathing. That is a therapy that uses nature to heal spiritual woes. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I do too. I mean, a lot of people do that. You know, they go not forest bathing. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I go wallow around in the leaves. I mean, I don't think he actually <laughs> means bathing in the forest. I think he means like surrounding yourself with the forest. <laughs> but um but uh, but to all of you out there that go hiking, yeah, like they, they know what this means. I mean, I don't see too many hikers with well, I actually don't see too many hikers because I don't like, but um, but you know, I I think that people that that do they do it for the 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 quiet the surrounding themselves with the beauty the of nature it's not um and for the activity exercise and he talks about you know there are some people that you know for them like going out and 
walking in the forest is not an option, but mm-hmm. finding the beauty wherever you are, the beauty around you. Yeah. You know, there's beauty to be found wherever you are. He was even talking about how Marcus Aurelius, um, the Roman philosopher and emperor, even wrote around about finding beauty in the ordinary, like talking about how bread splits as it bakes. Oh. And I was like, oh, that is pretty. And I'm hungry. Yeah. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't notice that part, but that's cool. So then he moves on and talks about finding stillness and activity, which is one I really liked because um, mm-hmm. I've never been really great at sitting and meditating. Yeah, me neither. I find a lot of act, different kinds of activities meditative, mm-hmm. like you find some stillness in activity. And um, this one resonated for me. So this is where we were talking about our buddy Winston. So yeah. Winston Churchill um, I did know that Winston Churchill painted. Mm-hmm. I did not know that Winston Churchill also really enjoyed bricklaying mm-hmm. as a sort of meditative activity. Yeah. He liked the process of mixing mortal, mortar, troweling it on and stacking up the bricks. And so I was, I, as I le- was reading this, I was wondering, do you just make random walls? Did he, did he make something or is he? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That'd be something <laughs> interesting to, to look up. <laughs> um but I I um I love to paint like not not art artistry because you know I'm not good at art but um but I love to like paint walls like paint interior stuff or exterior stuff um it's very satisfactory even I don't love to do it but I will even say it does feel good doesn't it just it to- does feel good but also I love the meditative aspect of it like Sometimes I'll listen to a book or listen to a podcast or music, but often I find myself the book's over or my phone dies or whatever. And I realize for the last hour and a half, I've been sitting there painting with no sound and thinking a lot about different things. And, and so um, I find it, I, I can understand what Churchill found meditative about bricklaying. <laughs> I would say the same thing for mowing the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. I like to push mow the lawn and there have been times, you know, that I put in the earbuds and listen to something, but for the most part, I just like to mow the lawn, mm-hmm. with the lawn more mower ro- roaring and destroying my hearing and <laughs> just, you know, not yeah. think about much, just yeah, do the thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, he he just talks about how um, hobby having a hobby is um, an ideal way to um, keep you active. Like mm-hmm. you know, there are some hobbies that some hobbies are an intellectual escape or an, or an opportunity to exercise. They can be an antidote to depression. Mm-hmm. They can, but they're more than just pastimes. There are things that can soothe your mind mm-hmm. make you make you quiet make you bring you peace and still stillness and help mm-hmm. you to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and for all the things I think of that I enjoy doing I don't always enjoy mowing <laughs> when it gets really hot I don't enjoy it but mm-hmm. you know Patty likes sometimes she really enjoys the painting sometimes it's good to just um I, I like to draw or sometimes um, other hobbies that you may find that really 
do it for you in the moment. They just make you quiet. Mm-hmm. They pass, they make time fly, whatever it is that kind of makes time fly for you. Like Patty said about painting, suddenly mm-hmm. an hour and a half has passed and you're like, oh, <laughs> what, what happened? That's <laughs> a good thing that has made some stillness in your mind. Yeah. Um, one of the last thing he talks, things he talks about in his book is making room for rest. And this is a really important one that I suspect a lot of us have trouble with. Mm-hmm. So not me, man, I'm a good napper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he talks about people that um, like he talks about this study of master violinists um, that they sleep a full eight and a half hours each night and napped rest in any form yeah. whatever form works for you is a good thing yeah um you may have different actual sleep needs or need it in different times of the day mm-hmm. um, but many of us really simply are just trying to do too much and yeah. feeling like that's what's required mm-hmm. and you may say, well, it is what's required. Yeah. But I think if you really look at what you need to do and what your schedule is, there are some things at least that are what you're requiring yourself to do. Right. Like you're putting the yeah pressure on yourself. Yeah. So he talks about... Um, People from history who, I mean, Patty had the good example of violinists who, who, uh, as a study showed, had sleep habits that propelled them to great performance. But um, our author also talks about historical folks who were good nappers and had great success and historical folks who worked themselves into early graves, like uh, Prince Albert. In a can. <laughs> but truly, um, apparently Prince Albert worked so hard on the great exhibition in 1851 that he had that he worked himself to death. Yeah. Into an early grave. So yeah. um you can you can really go past your limits and um not only be so out of touch with your your mental health, but you can ruin your physical health as well. Yeah. Um, so having some form of stillness where you're paying attention to your spirit and your mind mm-hmm. is a great thing to cultivate. Yep. yep. So those I, are the, the- I loved his actionable advice. Oh yes, and it's good yeah. because it's spring. I loved that part. It was like, okay, that is something that you can do. Like you can start today. I mean, a lot of these things you can start today, like the journaling and stuff. But he has at the end like this actionable advice, and it was get rid of your stuff. <laughs> so, um, like, I like how he says we are, we are born free of belongings, and then we start accumulating stuff. Um, yeah. And how and, much do you right. really need? Like, right. Um, my husband will be very happy if I start getting rid of stuff. Yeah. So grab this weekend, um, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, if it's spring, that's great. If it's not spring, that's great too. Just grab a few garbage bags and maybe, uh, empty out a closet or make some space (laughs) for stillness 
in one of your rooms of your house. So the key message in the end to the book, Stillness, is that there are a lot of really great people in history that illustrated the key quality of stillness, the ability to be still, even while the world was not still around them. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Holiday is encouraging us to be still. That means being present, cultivating silence, reflecting deeply by journaling, finding the beauty in life, knowing when you have enough, having a hobby, and taking care of your body, like getting enough sleep and physical exercise. Mm -hmm. So we found this a helpful and actionable kind of book, and we hope that it was helpful to you. And we're glad that you listened in uh, for some advice on how to get some stillness in your life. The next time we get together, we'll have some more uh, interviews to share with you on Finance Matters. But until then, thanks for joining Patty and I and keep doing good work because what you're doing matters. Bye, everybody. Bye.